Reporting is Eligible is proudly supported by Appleton Coffee Company. They're a small local roaster in Appleton, Wisconsin, and I make a pot of their Packerland breakfast blend just about every morning. I also have a very large bag of the barrel-aged coffee that I enjoy on the weekends. If you go to appletoncoffee.com and use code RAE at checkout, you'll save yourself 10% and you will support the show. Once again, that's appletoncoffee.com, code RAE at checkout. What's my theme music? Hey everybody, welcome to the Packer Preview uh, Playoff Edition of Reporting is Eligible. The uh, Packers have the Rams coming up after getting some nice rest and relaxation. And uh, we're going to give you all the ins and outs and matchups and stuff like that. Um, and also praise the Bears for keeping Nagy and Pace around for another season. <laughs> because they, uh, they're they doing that. Chuck, Chuck Pagano is going to retire. So th- this is like best of all possible worlds for the Packers um, looking forward to the Bears next year. Because... Um, Chuck Pagano is not a great defensive coordinator, but it, he was a nice bit of continuity from Vic Fangio. He's at least okay and similar, and their defense has been pretty good with him, and he's retiring, so they're going to have to replace him, and they're almost certainly going to do worse. Um, the, the only bad news, really, is that Dan Quinn is the Cowboys defensive coordinator because it would have been awesome if the Bears hired him because he sucks. But uh, they, they'll probably do worse with whoever they hire at defensive coordinator, unless they hire Wade. Um, and they're keeping Matt Nagy around, who is not great. They're keeping their terrible front office intact. And because those guys know they're in danger, they're probably going to make even more stupid signings and draft picks than they normally do. I mean, they normally act like a team that knows it only has a year left. But uh, instead, they're just going to go all out and just blow their cap. It's going to be just glorious. Anyway, I have co-hosts, so I should introduce them. Um, in in <laughs> <laughs> in urban Wauwatosa, as per usual, we have... Hey, it's J.R. Radcliffe, trending sports reporter for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. And here's the thing that I've learned about you, Paul, that, that I, I, I do love about you. You're, I, I think you're the smartest football person I know. You are, you know, as much about the Packers as anyone I've ever met. Ins and outs, analytics, charts, spreadsheets, all of this. You have it at your fingertips. You can cite it. But deep down, the thing that really drives you is your hatred or I don't know if hatred is the right word, but your menacingness toward the Chicago Bears franchise. You just spent, we got, we got a playoff game to talk about. The Packers are about to face the Rams. And you got like, let's talk about how the Bears screwed it up this week. I love it. <laughs> out at the jump, out front. This is what I want. That is your brand. I love it. Yeah, it's not really hatred for the Bears. I, I actually hate the Vikings quite a bit more. It bothers me more when they win. Yeah, it's more like a smugness, a smugness toward the Bears. Yeah, I, think, I don't even know if that's right. No, Bears is, Bears is a sibling rivalry. Vikings just suck. Yeah, I'm a little different than that, even though on the on the Bears, because it's more like how they they screw up. It's very amusing. It's like, um, uh, no, that that uh, never mind. I was going to use it in now. I'm going to use it anyway. Um, so, um, I'm this is I'm very old, but in He Man, the villain was Skeletor, <laughs> and um, Skeletor was the villain villain for a long time. However, Skeletor turned out he like his design super cool. It's very menacing, and they decided they needed to actually not have him be a bad guy, and he just turned into kind of the comic relief he was in every, every every episode not menacing and they brought in different enemies no. you yeah, exactly you hated the enemy enemies more like hordak and other guys like that but skeletor was like he's still a bad guy but he's like just a, a hilariously inept bad guy that was fun to laugh at and that's what the bears are they're skeletor <laughs> they're not like a true bad guy so i hate them but what i really enjoy is just them screwing up in in predictable and often hilarious ways and just like the quarterback thing you can't get one 
you're a very old franchise. You should you, get one just by dumb luck. But they before don't. we move on, before we move on from your analogy, do you have a Skeletor impression on tap? Oh man, I, I really I I, I don't. Uh, I I can do the I can do one from the holiday Christmas. What's that? That's my Skeletor impression. That's all you get. <laughs> he man. <laughs> what a great character. Um. All, oh, also, also in Colorado, we have. <laughs> His name's Matt. You can call me in Colorado Springs. I am always ignored, Matt. But you can call me Matub, Meme Weaver, Fragment Packing Company, and General Twitter Rabble Rouser. Okay, uh, so my other Ben Roethlisberger joke was oh, just to, pic- to, pictures. Get them all out. <laughs> get, get them all out now. Just, no, it's just pictures of Ben Roethlisberger being sad. Did you guys see that? Oh no, that sounds great. When he no, was sad so, with Marquise Pouncey at the end of the game. No, he was sad by himself on the bench. For like a long time, and the, the they just kept zooming a slow zoom on his face of him being sad. And so I'd be sad to... too if I started twelve and zero and then completely torpedoed at the end well, of the season. Yeah, me too. Also, when he gets cut before March, he's going to save the team nineteen million dollars in cap space. He is. That's true. They're so going to be in the market for a quarterback, and Ben if he is doesn't retire. Be... He's he's cut. Ben is going to be a bear. Miss the Mason Rudolph era. Oh. <laughs> Oh my! You know what? Ben is going to be a bear. That's totally what's going to happen. That's happening. That's that is happening. absolutely happening. That is the barest thing I can possibly imagine. Because <laughs> he's not good anymore. His arm Did is you... not good, and uh, he is a statue. And their outlines not—it's like a terrible fit. Um, I, that's totally going to happen. Would you say that a bad quarterback is one of the bare necessities? I would. I would say that. <laughs> that's a, that is a good joke, Matab. That's a good one. You had said earlier this year, Paul, that the Los Angeles Rams were one of the teams that really scared you. And this was back when they were full strength. And I don't know if they still match up quite that way. I think the Packers offense has proven it's sort of defense proof to a degree. But uh, I remember that very clearly, that the Rams would be a bad, bad matchup. And here we are. We have the Los Angeles Rams. So do you still feel like this is a bad matchup? It's not a great matchup for the offense, honestly. They're... They're actually very similar to Tampa Bay in a lot of what they do. Um, and Todd Bowles won that game for Tampa Bay earlier in the year by essentially confusing Rodgers, um, not letting him get any inkling as to who's going to be rushing in and who's going to be in coverage. And uh, that game turned on that pick six. And it, it turned on that pick six because Rodgers made the wrong read. Uh, Tampa showed uh, a cover zero, basically no safety. Like They dared Aaron to beat them. And then right at the snap, they dropped their super awesome fast middle linebackers and the safety back into coverage. Rodgers made the wrong hot read when, um, uh, shoot, their their hyphenated name cornerback whose name escapes me got around the corner and threw that pick six. And from that point on, Rodgers didn't trust his quick reads anymore and got sacked a bunch of times and they lost that game. And the Rams do a lot of the same stuff the Buccaneers do. It's not exactly the same, but... It's pretty similar. They're pretty similar talent-wise. They are obviously, you know, monsters up front with Aaron Donald and Leonard Floyd. And what you saw Tampa do to the the Packers in Week Six is very similar to what you saw the Rams do to Russell Wilson and the Seahawks last weekend. So there's reason for concern. But uh, the one good thing about the Packers having played that Tampa game is that they've been able to learn from it. And you know, this is way further in the season. Um, if you want, my my biggest reason for optimism, I still think the Packers win this game, and they are kind of defensive proof. But the reason, the main thing they got going for them here is that the 49ers beat the Rams twice, and they they moved the ball on this Rams defense pretty easily, and they did it once with Nick Mullins at quarterback. Now, they had Garoppolo and, um, and George Kittle for the first game that they played, but they won the second game against the Rams too with Nick Mullins 
and no George Kittle, uh, no Kittle, and um, a, a lot of what they did, the Packers can easily emulate. You know, um, it was a lot of play action to get those linebackers to come up, open the gap in the middle behind them, a lot of pre-snap motion to tell if they were in um, zone or man. By the way, the Rams play zone on about 71% of snaps, and what the 49ers did was run whoever their best receiver was in any game, Debo in some games and some other guys in some other games. They'd run him at Jalen Ramsey and then have him cross away from Jalen Ramsey into a part of the zone that wasn't being covered by Jalen Ramsey and hit guys deep over the middle. They did it over and over again. There's a couple of plays in the second game with Nick Mullins where um, they hit some garbage like fourth string receiver who on the 49ers deep down the middle like four times in a row just kept working. So, um, you know, the 49ers and Packers are structurally similar. There's good film out there on how to do this. Um, and tight end worked very well against the Rams. Not They played a bunch of garbage tight ends because there's only like four good ones in the whole league. But th- th- again, this is what the, the, the Packers have personnel that not everybody has to hit this Rams defense. So I think I think I like the matchup a little bit better than I did before. As long as they're smart about it, like... If they run into the middle of the line 20 times in a row, well, they'll lose. But uh, they, they have the horses and the knowledge to make this happen, and the Rams' offense is trash. So um, even if the offense struggles a little bit, I still think the defense can bring it home for them. I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic about this whole thing. So fun statistical fact about the Rams versus Packers, just by the numbers. Um, the Rams are averaging 246 passing yards and 128 rushing yards a game. Packers are averaging 256 and 132 respectively. Mm-hmm. However, massive difference. Rams are averaging 23 points a game. The Packers are averaging 32. Yeah, it's a bad offense. It's mm-hmm. the uh, the best thing they got going um, for them. Packers are averaging 6.29 yards a play with the Rams at 5.49. There's also a pretty good chance that they'll start Blake Bortles. Um, not, not a for sure thing. I think golf will probably give it a go. But even if he does, like that hand is bad. It looked... He was bad last week because he couldn't grip the ball or do anything. And, and like one hit, and they're down to Blake Bortles. If they play Blake didn't, Bortles, it's a sure thing. Didn't Brett Favre go to a Pro Bowl with a broken thumb? He did, although he wasn't very good that year. <laughs> he and, wasn't very yeah, good. <laughs> he didn't really deserve to make the Pro Bowl, but he did. <laughs> Beyond uh, the 49ers, this team, this this Rams team, has also lost to the Jets, notably. That game was and, crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and you can, I, I'm guessing we should throw it out. I mean, the Jets also beat the Cleveland Browns, who are still playing. So for whatever that's worth, the two wins that team got all year yeah. against teams that are still playing, just one of the weird anomalies. But it's hard to take a team seriously when they – I mean, that was the first first Jets win of the year, and it was just a few weeks ago. Like, what happened there? So I actually can – I can uh, tie this in with a question that we got. Um, I just have to track it down really quick. Um, somebody asked what people should, it, it has Mike Budenholzer in it. It's the, what should you do different in the playoffs question? And I am not seeing it for some reason. Um, <laughs> oh, here it is from Robert Kim. Um, uh, pitch. So basically Budenholzer bucks coach doesn't adjust to playoff basketball and the bucks struggle. Pitchers are handled very differently in the MLB, MLB playoffs. You use more relievers, you don't rely on your starters as much and you shorten your rotation. And what should NFL coaches do differently in the playoffs as opposed to regular season games? And there's a good answer to that. And it is along the lines of what the Jets did, because that was the Jets Super Bowl. That was um, the Jets going all out. That was all the coaches knowing that they were basically dead unless they did something special. And uh, this is what what coaches should do is give a bunch of unscouted looks and a bunch of not trick plays, but you want to use your high leverage stuff in games like this. Um, One thing the Rams defense does really well is scout. You, You see that pick six? 
that uh, that they had on Russell Wilson, where a cornerback just basically jumped a safe throw, uh, like a t- typical Devontae Adams out. Um, well, Rodgers threw uh, against Tampa Bay. It's funny. Almost like, the same thing, right? Almost the exact same thing. Yep. He threw a pick to an out route. He threw a pick to an out route before that in that game. He almost got picked on a very similar route to a uh, Devontae Adams bubble screen that the guy just jumped on. And Russell got it. Um, These guys do great tape study. And this is an opportunity to um, really dive deep into the book and use all of those tendencies against them because they know that they're well scouted. If you have anything that you haven't broken out all season that they haven't seen, you can definitely take them by surprise. And I'll actually predict that. Um, I think that the Packers will at some point in this game run a fake bubble screen and have, uh, I'll even say it, have Tanya on the backside of this, um, run a slant for a touchdown. No, just, just book it now. Um, what about uh, Aaron Jones on a wheel? That works too. We, same, same concept. You um, love Aaron Jones on a wheel. It's been I a while. Love, they have I not run every, I love every athletic player on a wheel. Yeah. Aaron yeah, Jones yeah. on a wheel has not happened in a long time. That would be a good one to bust out. So. Well, what about though the idea that I mean the Packers? I'm sure at this point see themselves as Super Bowl contenders. Are they emptying the playbook? I mean, obviously there's only three games left in theory, so like probably to some degree. But you know they've they've got aspirations. They don't want to they don't want to empty the bag of tricks of un, unscouted looks here just against the Rams, do they? Um, uh, that's a that's a good point. I mean, you, you can only play the one in front of you, and you got to get to next week to have it even matter. Sure. But yeah. the other thing is like. If you save some stuff for a game like this, and they have all good defenses left. These are all top five defenses. The Rams, I think, are the best one. They're number one in weighted DVOA, um, and they're number one in points allowed on this season. Um, so it, this is the one I would use whatever you got on, especially, you know, you, you get close to the, the, you get one game away from the Super Bowl. That's still a pretty good accomplishment. Um, but when you bring out those unscouted looks, you can also, you can break back off of them too. It's extra tape for the Buccaneers or the Saints to watch next week. And um, it will also help your base plays that those trick plays are based off of be more effective if they have to account for the possibility that you're going to try and you know smoke them on something they haven't seen before. It's like 4D chess play action. I mean, yeah, that's what football is often is exactly <laughs> that. And this is the time when you bust all that stuff out. I don't remember if they did that last year. Did they change things up pretty dramatic? Because that would be the first insight we have into Matt LaFleur's ability to chart some of that stuff for the playoffs specifically. No, they really didn't. And it cost them very severely. That, that was the second Niners game they got blasted. Now, they played a good mm-hmm. game against Seattle. But I think you can beat Seattle just being fairly conventional. Seattle's not that smart on the field. We just If you, if you <laughs> manage to play a normal game, you will beat Seattle. Exactly. Um, that's all you have to do. But they did not adjust to the 49ers, and they didn't do anything outside of the ordinary. Um, the the way to beat that 49er team, I mean, it was it was a good 49er team. Don't get me wrong, beating them is hard for a reason. But the way to the way to beat them is to attack them deep, and uh, they never adjusted in that game at all. Everything was short stuff, and they just got killed. So it was not Matt's best work. Um, he has been better at that kind of thing this year. I have more faith that he will be able to put together a good plan and and adjust. Um, to a good defense this year um, and honestly they've played some good defenses on the back half and they've been perfectly fine now some of those have ended up not looking quite as good like the Colts were dynamite the first half of the season their DVOA in the second half kind of cratered um, but uh, the Bears defense uh, I know for all the problems the Bears have the Bear defense is still a pretty good defense and you know they eat that up and uh, they're actually not a bad template for the Rams either so the, the Buccaneers are, I think, a little more structurally similar, and their coach is better. But uh, they have similarly talented number one corners, 
And one thing that the Bears, I think, have at least taught the Packers is how to spring Devontae when there's one good corner and a bunch of less effective corners because they get him off Kyle Fuller a lot, put him in the slot a lot, move him around a lot. And that's De- Jalen Ramsey is not a shadower. Um, he does tend to play on the right side. He tends to play in zone. Um, so moving Devontae around against the Rams is also a great idea because um, it'll get him on much, much, much lesser cornerbacks. Um, and uh, so that's how they've gone about beating teams kind of similar to this. And I have a good amount of faith that they'll do that here. I'll bet Devontae is a pretty good game and is barely uh, covered by Jalen Ramsey at all. That's my other prediction there. So you, you think he's going to spend a good chunk of the game lined up across Jalen Ramsey but running away from him? I do. I think that'll happen quite a bit. Over what? under over under we see um bone standard mesh four times. Over tons over. Just I'm I, and I'm not talking no trickery yeah. like where they do that double mesh out of out of bunch. I'm talking like sp- bone standard. Uh, I mean crosses. there'll be a lot of tricky mesh too, but I think they'll run the standard version just all the okay. time. Honestly, if they if they look at what the 49ers did in the first 49er game of the year, like mesh was their base play there if it wasn't a jet sweep it was uh, a mesh crossing route like every single play by the way the 49ers ran like 15 jet sweeps in that game or or fake <laughs> or fake jet sweeps and it worked really really well um that's actually one of the other um doug farrar i believe i hope it was doug he wrote a great piece on the los angeles defense and how their defensive line works a little differently than most defensive lines and the uh, running up the middle on them is very difficult. Um, they create a lot of space for the linebackers to hit, and uh, the run blitz is the same as their pass blitz, and it works great. Um, running outside against them is the way to beat them. It is the diagnosed way to run. They're good at stopping the run no matter what, but that's what you want to do. And Aaron Jones is good at that, so I like that. But also lateral motion messes them up. So um, the, the 49ers used a lot of counters and a lot of jet motion to get them going one direction, and then they'd hit them back the other way. Um, and it worked great. So th- there's a lot of there's a good template on how to move the ball against them. And, and honestly, the the, uh, the offenses that the Rams have shut down have mostly been garbage. So this will be interesting to see if the Packers being dynamite is just going to overwhelm them too. Why, real quickly, why would someone like Jalen Ramsey not be a shadower? What is it about his skill set that doesn't have him following the number ones around the field? Um. I'm not... Why didn't Why didn't Richard Sermon follow people around the field yeah. when he was the best corner in the league? Well, he certainly told everyone else that he felt he was the best <laughs> corner in the league. But yes, that always came up with him. That did always come up. Um, so it, it's a really subtle skill difference. And by the way, Jair Alexander is also a better um, zone corner than a man corner. Um, a lot of it is being a great man corner is is kind of rarer just because of the amount of speed and agility you have to have. And a lot of being a good zone corner, uh, not Jalen Ramsey's a great athlete too, but a lot of what makes you good at that is just um, superb read and react ability of understanding in a second what's going on in front of you, what your assignment is, and just being able to catch up quickly um, on those small breaks. You have a little more information. Um, I think you can get by being a great zone corner with a little less athleticism. If you are super athletic like he is, uh, you can be superb at it. I think he's probably a fine man corner too, honestly. he's That guy's dynamite. But um, I will say this, um, they played um, a little bit more man um, last year than they did this year, and he was not as good by PFF grade or by DVOA charting. So um, they moved to more zone this year, and he has been better for it. One of the weird kind of quirks of their defense for this reason is 
they're number one in the league at defending number two receivers. And um, I watched way too much tape to put this theory to the test, and I'm pretty confident in it. Most teams waste their number two receiver on running him at Jalen Ramsey. They uh, they just basically sacrifice him and say, go, go cover Marcus Valdez-Scantling all game, and we'll work on the other guys. And uh, it actually it seems to kind of work against them, except that you don't have half the field with your number two receiver. So, Which is funny because... Uh... Who was it? Some national guy was talking crap today because Devontae said that Jalen was one of the top three corners in the league. <laughs> it was Ed and, Werner. Yeah, and Ed Werner was like, you should see his games against DeAndre Hopkins. And it's like, how many times did Hopkins run against Jalen? And the, I'm, the answer is not a ton. Uh, you know, it's going to be less than half. He'll be on guys sometimes just because the play dictates it. But um, he really doesn't shadow ones at all that's just not what he does now if you want a, a a cool stat of how good he is like he's on the right side most of the time um they don't give up any deep right passes ever um their sure. dvoa on the deep right part of the field is negative 97 negatives good on defensive dvoa and the next best mark is like negative 35 so um if you're thinking that mvs might be streaking down the field on the right side on a deep route probably not and uh, probably shouldn't be, and they shouldn't throw that because if he drops it, somebody on the other team will probably catch it. Um, so, I I would if this is uh, this for MVS, I think this might be a a he blocks a lot and has zero targets kind of game. That would not surprise me one bit. We've seen that happen plenty of times, and this is the kind of game where it happens. I guarantee, first snap of the game, they go deep right probably, to MVS. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what if that would be in the wheelhouse of the Aaron Rodgers? Just be like, F it. F it. I, I, I'm after you, Jalen Ramsey. Yep. So I, I didn't watch the Rams Bears game this year. Um, how good were the Bears against throwing to the left? Or how good were the Bears at throwing to the left? Not great. They're not. I mean, <laughs> Mitch is, his, you know, famously bad at it, but he's not that much worse throwing left than he is right. He's just not good at throwing. Something happened this week that brought me strangely uh, a fascinating amount of joy when the Packers announced that they'd signed Jared Veld here. <laughs> uh, loophole loophole change to the uh, roster rules this year, which allow uh, has been allowing NFL teams to promote practice squad players throughout. Uh, for two games a year, Valdir being a late addition to the Colts roster, plays in a playoff game as a practice squad guy, elevated, starts starts at tackle, uh, and now, you know, Colts season's over, they lost, Valdir is free to go, and he can sign with the Packers because yep. he wasn't on their active roster. That is wild. That's incredible. He's going to be, I think, the first guy to play for two playoff teams in the same postseason. I don't know if that's actually true, but I think it is. It is true. That is correct. Um, uh, it, uh, but two, two football teams. Yes. Deion, oh, yeah. Deion Sanders oh, yes. has played in yes, postseason fine. in two different sports at the same time. I believe he is still the only person who have played in both a World Series and a Super Bowl, but uh, not not in the same week. That would be weird. <laughs> be very, very cold World Series. Uh, but uh, um, but yeah, I am delighted by this. My initial thought was, oh, they're going to move Billy Turner inside to have the guards be their superstars on yep. the line, and then they can plug up Aaron Donald. It doesn't seem like that's necessarily the truth. If Rick Wagner can go, he'll probably be the right tackle, and they'll still have Turner at left, and 
you know they'll probably just just straight up try to block uh block as is but uh but man is it cool that this is a possibility here yeah um i'll so you're probably right but i will go out on the limit actually say that i'll bet they do use Valdir like that i saw a lot of speculation that he would just be there for depth i'll bet he starts uh, i'll bet that they go with that sort of monster line and do move their guys inside at guard to do, to do exactly what you said to deal with aaron donald um, they're playing against their lines really hard, and having a bunch of tackles at guard is kind of a good thing against them. They try and get guards out in space. That's kind of their MO in terms of getting past them. And the more guys you have with tackle experience at guard against the Rams, the better off you are. So uh, I will not be surprised at all if Feldier's out there. He's clearly in shape. He played really well last week. And uh, I, I'll just predict the, the unexpected there that he actually starts at tackle. You think so? Okay, so Veldier starts at left tackle um i'm not sure a tackle i was like i don't think he has any left tackle experience no at, at, at right and push turner in okay so who plays left um am i getting <laughs> my guys backwards so wagner plays right billy turner plays left i am getting my guys backwards um so i, I i'll yeah that, that does make things trickier um <laughs> maybe he plays right guard yeah <laughs> any snap he cannot I, snap. I think this is this is totally there, there's a really good possibility this is just the game for their late season pickups. Uh, you mentioned that pre-snap motion is something that impacts the Rams. The Rams, if I recall, don't have the best special teams either. And uh, Tavon Austin could be a factor. And then you've got Valdir and Snacks Harrison to, uh, to, you know, plug things up in the run. I feel like all these moves were made. No, for- here's what we're skipping over here. This is the Tavon Austin revenge game. It is. That's true. This is his team. That he was it's doing... all it's all happening. Yeah. There, someone's gonna write that article of how these these three guys contributed to a, to a playoff victory. Hey, Von Austin running a wheel out of a fake bubble screen. <laughs> 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 the pass hasn't even been thrown yet, and Matt Matub is standing standing in his living room screaming at the TV in delight. Yep, we should technically in my kitchen. We should give quite a bit of praise to Goot because um, I think Ted Thompson would have sat on his hands for a lot of these moves. And whether Valdir starts or not, he is great depth to have because if anybody on that line gets hurt at all um, and they had to, to shuffle people around, Donald would just eat everybody for breakfast. Uh, and having snacks there, like this is a team that can't pass. They, <laughs> they, they can only run the ball. And this, this like old Packers get gashed by Cam Akers in this game and lose. But with snacks on the roster, they can stop that if they need to. Like they can pop him in there and run goes away. It's perfect. Are you aware of the joke that you just accidentally? I'm not. You're made? laughing hysterically, and I I missed it. I missed it too. I'm Paul, looking forward Paul to goes, it. Paul goes. They would eat them for breakfast. It's a good thing they have snacks. <laughs> That's pretty good. Right. That's pretty good. <laughs> I mean, I mean, if they go with their traditional, like this is the game of Lucas Patrick's career because he's going to be. You know, he's going to have to slow down Aaron Donald or, or somebody. I mean, I don't See, know. How, that's why but... I think they get Velder in, because I said that sentence in my head earlier, not thinking about how they'd have to shuffle things. And I don't want Lucas Patrick and Aaron Donald together in the same sentence. Imagine, imagine Lucas Patrick just getting forklifted by Aaron Donald on <sighs> 70 offensive plays. Well, like you mentioned Leonard Floyd, like let's say Aaron Donald can't play or is limited. I mean, it's not like Sebastian Joseph Day or Leonard Floyd are just like scrubs or Morgan Fox. Is Certainly on the edge, not. But like, these I mean, guys are they're, stars. They're not Aaron Donald. Well, no, of course not. No one yeah. is. No one is. Leonard Aaron Floyd. Uh, not even Aaron Donald. Yeah, worth worth keeping in mind. By the way, um, just just want to mention this. Going back to our original start of this podcast, Leonard Floyd's better than <laughs> Khalil Mack now. 
<laughs> um, and uh, you'll note is not on the Bears anymore. So. I love so, it, Paul. So, so anyway, speaking of the Rams, <laughs> let me tell you why the Bears suck. <laughs> so good. Oh, that's really funny. Um, but yeah, I, I am, I'm fascinated to see what Velte does. I'm very excited uh, to see him play I, the idea of a guy play just like failing up. Like if the Packers lose, is he just going to sign with the Rams? I mean, it's, it's crazy. <laughs> I, I, I love him just for being a, a ring mercenary at this point, because that's clearly what he is. He, he clearly <laughs> just, you, you guys ever played. Okay. I, I'm sorry to bring up Madden. That's okay. It was bound to happen at some point. Um, so Madden, Madden has a backyard mode called superstar KO. I don't where know what you... any of those words mean, but okay. Is like that where Giannis is available? Uh, Giannis yeah, he... is in some backyard. Yeah, version. yeah, that's. I think that's. He might be in the in the the street game, but okay. Superstar KO. You draft superstars and you play like a like a seven on seven football, and it's one drive a piece, and whoever scores more points on their one drive wins. Then you get to take a player off of their team before you go on to play the next guy. So like if if they got lucky in the first round and they got Michael Vick as their quarterback and you beat them, you get to take Michael Vick to be your quarterback. Okay. So if the Rams win, they get to walk away with Jared Velde. <laughs> oh, okay, gotcha. <laughs> That's the rule. That's incredible. Yep. Somebody, I, I I think it was was it Matt Schneidman or Andy Herman? Andy Herman. Uh, somebody was wise to this. Someone had said, keep an eye on if the Colts lose. Because there's a chance Veldir will be available. I think it was. Him. I swear it was Andy. It was Andy. I think it was. It was. It was also me. But it was Andy first. So Andy wins. Um, but like, to, props to him and you and whoever else for realizing that he was going to be available. Because obviously, most you know, most of the time these guys are on. And previous to this season, guys are on 45. You know, are on the 53. They can't just leave one 53 and join another. But this is different. This is something separate for this year only. Yep, it is bizarre. Love it. So Are we going to see a big Bob Tanyan game too? I think we will. Uh, I think this is uh, just they're so vulnerable in the middle of the field that I know Bob never gets targets, but I think this is a game where he does. I think he gets targeted to death. Um, I'll, I'll say it might just be all the tight ends. This might be actually a good Ooh. like two catch Mercedes game as well. Um, Jace. Uh, I'm just kidding. Jace is no, not around. Yeah, not around. Uh, Daphne, though. Uh, don't be surprised that this is another like Daphne as use check kind of performance with uh, him getting a few middle catches too. But I think Bob will be a huge part of this one. Um, he hits them exactly where they're weak. The The Kittle um, template is a good one that they can follow. They're not the same player. Kittle's better. But uh, but Tanyan's fast and athletic enough that he can do all the same things that Kittle did against them earlier. So I think Bob isn't for a huge game here. I hope he is. They should use him. Lazard maybe too. Um, you know, as a pseudo tight end over the middle, big guy can kind of punish there too. But I think so it, it'll be time. In the vein, in the vein of, we always say when people have read the tweets. Um, I believe Alan Lazard just today, so as of recording Tuesday, said uh, on Twitter today, "I'm still that dude." <laughs> All right. Good for Alan. I believe you, Alan. You are that dude. No, He's sorry. I, sorry. He says, "I'm still him." Okay. Oh. He's watching his 2019 film, I see. Yep. Oh man, it's so what if this is what if this is the breakout game for Sternberger or like <laughs> no. like some some is it, <laughs> no. is, He's not even available. Is he available? I, I don't think he is, is he? Is he is he actually so. on the team right now? <laughs> I think he is. He's Sternberger is active on Twitter. And I know this because likes appear on timelines now. And Sternberger is a thirst liker. Oh goodness! 
<laughs> not great. All right. Not great. Uh, so I, I love reading. There's always gems inside our rundown every week. You know, all these good bullet points. We've gone over a lot of this. And, and at the turn here where we go from talking about how the Packers offense will fare, we, we, we go to their defense. And the number one point about the Los Angeles Rams offense is, number one, they are dog shit. <laughs> Thank you, Paul. Tell us more. <laughs> Sometimes it's just that simple. Um, <laughs> so all you have to know about their offense is it's very Cooper Cup based. Um, they're Oh, well, that guy's hurt. So that's not great. That's correct. He, they're slightly above average when they have Cooper Cup in the game. They're well below average when they don't. Even this year, because their quarterback situation was so bad, they were 20th in passing. Now, they're a good rushing team. They ended up fourth in DVOA. Um, but a lot of that was um, was Daryl Henderson, who is out now, who was fourth in DVOA himself, and Cam Akers has taken over for him. He's good. He's actually not as good, especially as a pass catcher. Um, but uh, they can't pass. So if you stay ahead of them, um, their quarterback's bad. Their other their other two receivers are Robert Woods and oh shoot, who's the other guy? Henry, Henry, Josh Henry, I think something like that. Who cares? They suck. They're in the sev- <laughs> they're in the seventies in DYAR. Uh, they're in the fifties in DVOA. Marquez Valdez Scantling is much better than both of them. Um, so Cooper Cup's a slot receiver. It's not good to have your best player be your slot receiver. Um, and one of the good things the Packers do is actually move Jair around quite a bit. He is his own guy too, so they can scheme against him. But if they want to take away their entire passing offense, anytime they put him on Cup, that's more or less what's going to happen. And the Packers are good at covering slot guys anyway. That Chandon will is more than a good match for that too. So. Well, Chandon through the first like thirteen weeks of the season was the best slot yep. corner in the league. He was. So, um, Cup also he, he's hurt. He's uh, they're being kind of and it's a knee injury. It's a knee, and it was a non contact knee. And is it is it his bad knee? Ah, uh, I don't know. But, so, because he t- he tore his ACL in 2018. Yeah, and he was he was much worse after he did it too. So even if it's not torn up or anything like that, if he's tweaked it, he still might be ineffective. He's, he was super he's, ineffective after that. He is a 27 year old, already injured, slot receiver who is once again injured. Also, not a good at natural athlete. Very much a savvy guy. Um, not a good at RAS if memory serves. Like a like a uh, like a Wes Welker or a or a. Um, Edelman sure kind of but worse than that so um well Wes Welker probably one of the best slot receivers of all time yes and and was a plus athlete Edelman not so much yeah so Cup's not a good I'm gonna pull up his RAS while somebody else is talking later because it was really bad um (laughs) but but the thing is here like so their their quarterbacks hurt it's either gonna be one-arm Jared Goff who is bad even when he's healthy and is not healthy It'll be or John Wolford, who got knocked unconscious and had to be taken to the hospital um, or Blake Bortles. And, you know, Blake Bortles is one of the worst quarterbacks in football today. Um, (laughs) Wow. (laughs) He's very bad. So their passing offense is basically non-existent. And Sean McVay's all all his fun stuff is fun. He does the easy sabermetric stuff. He does pre-snap motion and lots of play action. That's helpful. But he goes. He runs almost everything out of eleven personnel. So you always have there's there two dog shit receivers in Cooper Cup. You always have Cam Akers, and then you always have one of their tight ends, usually Tyler Higby. And so that you know the the Packers do a lot of fool you with their personnel by you know going from power run to passing and getting guys matched up on linebackers. The the Rams don't do any of that. It's always it's always three wide receivers, a tight end, and a running back. So 
um, once you know that and who you have to cover, it actually makes Mike Patton's life pretty easy. Uh, when you're going against Mike Patton, you want to fool Mike Patton, you know? <laughs> and uh, if you don't fool Mike Patton, well, then shame on you. Um, you've only fooled yourself. <laughs> Thanks, George W. Yeah. You won't be fooled <laughs> so, again. For reference, Cooper Cup ran a 4.61 at his pro day. That's slow for everybody who it's needs great. context. Yeah, That's for a wide uh, receiver. Geronimo Allison, I believe, was a four six two. Four six something. Mm. So there you go. Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup is uh six one, just over two hundred pounds, runs a four six. So he is literally Geronimo Allison. His RAS is three point four. So that's uh also bad. That's bad. It's very bad. So he's so he's Geronimo Allison. Yes. <laughs> If uh, the, the Rams only had a walkthrough on Tuesday as we record this, but if they had had full practice, Cooper Cup would not have played. He would have been a DNP. Didn't uh, He would not have participated. Aaron Donald, likewise, would not have participated. John Wolford would not have participated. He, I, I think the word is that he's going to be available, but uh, he had to go to the hospital after that bad neck thing. I find it hard to believe they would just you know, scrape him off the mat and make him come in. I mean, especially if like Goff can play, we saw that he can. Uh, I, I don't know if they're going to be comfortable going with like the, the little guy nope. who just got a major neck injury. And then the other one, I mean, this isn't a huge deal, but one of their starting offensive guards, uh, actually university of Wisconsin kid, David Edwards, he left that game and I'm pretty sure he, he wouldn't have played practice today. I'm pretty sure he's, it sounded pretty doubtful that yeah. he was going to be available. So they're already now, their offensive line is now shuffling a little bit. I mean, that's not as dramatic as losing, say, a David Bakhtiari by any means, but uh, that is that is not good if you're the uh, the Los Angeles Rams. It's really not. Well, uh, Kenny Clark continues to play amazing football. So, mm-hmm. I mean, he's not Aaron Donald, but as we said, no one is Aaron Donald. Yeah, their interior line is probably a big deal. Yeah. I will. I wonder if Aaron Donald is going to win this DPOI award. We talked about it last week and, and totally, I can't believe it slipped my mind to bring up TJ Watt as kind of one of the main suitors for that. I, I'd be curious to know if the, if Watt gets it, he finished third last year. I think now Donald, if he wins, it'd be his third, right? So he would, he would tie TJ's older brother, yep. uh, JJ for, for, uh, and Lawrence Taylor for that matter for most DPOI awards in history. That'd be pretty cool. The Watts are going to be involved one way or another, I guess. <laughs> True enough. I, I do think Donald will win it, it just on reputation, and he he dragged this team into the playoffs, not by himself, but you know it's a defensive based team making the playoffs. So mm-hmm. I think he, I guess it's Pittsburgh was too, but the, people think people who don't pay attention see Roethlisberger and think there's something there, even though there's not. You know, like the Bears front office, so um, <laughs> that's gonna it's gonna hurt them. So, um, but. It's it's a it's a fun bad offense. Also, Jared. The other fun thing about Jared Goff is, you know, usually if you have a guy who checks down all the time. By the way, they don't throw deep. If you look at their outside receivers, they average about ten yards per per reception. Ten yards per reception is bad for a receiver. It's um kind of a medium slot receiver amount. It's what Jimmy Graham usually does in his in his dotage. Um, and uh, <laughs> y- you want your outside guys to be you know up eleven, twelve at least, um, if they're going to be effective at all. So usually guys who check down a lot and have receivers with those bad numbers are conservative, but Jared Goff also throws a lot of interceptions. He is also <laughs> a garbage turnover quarterback. So um, plays right into the Packers' hands in terms of you know taking chances on taking the ball away. You don't have to worry about the deep ball, and they've been playing more aggressive lately. They need to keep that up this game because they'll have chances to take the ball away, and uh, as long as they do that, they'll make so, they'll make life so much easier on the offense. That's probably the biggest key to this thing. Um, yeah. Hopefully they can. I think they can. They're so bad. They're so bad. As long as they don't get run on a ton, they'll 
they'll they'll uh, stop them completely. Linebacker interception game. Maybe it's Kirksey. Kirksey again. Yep. Hero I think it's in probably waiting. Kirksey. Yes. Do you think it's do you think it's an honest Kirksey or a batted pass Kirksey? I could actually see an honest Kirksey in this one. They throw short so much. Um, if he just takes a chance um, on cutting off a, a, an over-the-middle route or something, he'll get an honest one. So let's do our checklist of things that we're predicting, very okay. specific things that we're predicting. You you think a Tanyan touchdown on a slant that he takes to the house, right? On a fake bubble screen. On a fake. <laughs> yes, I want to be more specific than that. Yes. Uh, we think uh, Tavon Austin revenge moment. Uh, I'm going to say just a 40 yard return, 35. Well, to 40 uh, how about this? I think Tavon Austin breaks 35 yards from scrimmage. Okay. Okay. I like it. Uh, I like that. I, I think for, for me, I would wrap that into a, uh, the, the new guys, Veldir, uh, along with Veldir and snacks, they are going to be profiled in some way, shape or form in this game. Yep. And, uh, and now the most recent thing we think of Christian Kirksey interception. Kirksey pick. Yep. I like it. I like having a very specific checklist. <laughs> it's fun to be able to keep an eye on these things. I'll also just also predict a Darnell Savage pick. Um, this is just a good game for a hunting safety to get a pick in. Uh, the, the weak-armed quarterbacks with bad hands um, and w- with no ability to throw deep. This is just his wheelhouse for, for hey, pick-sixing one. But what if it is Bortles? Bortles can push it deep. <clears throat> he can, um, just not accurately or well. So it's fine. <laughs> I guess it's I, a I, wrinkle. <laughs> I am also putting a deep shot down the right side to Marquez Velda Scantling in the first drive of this game. <laughs> I don't know if it'll be successful, Jeez. but I want that on record. Uh, so Cam Akers is interesting. He's not a guy that I don't, I don't know if a lot of people are aware of him, but he, as far as I know, has had a really good year, right? So he's pretty good. His counting stats are good. And he has, so I should, he, he is not great by DVOA, but his numbers are killed by a terrible game against Arizona. Uh, I think he had like a couple fumbles or something like that. And he wasn't their starter for most of the year. So um, he's been good in the vast majority of games, even with his bad DVOA. But the one thing is, he's not as good as the guy he replaced. Daryl Henderson's hurt, I think, until at least the NFC Championship game, if he comes back at all, if they actually win, which hopefully they won't. Um, but Akers is, he's a good player. Um, he's capable of taking over a game he's done it a few times so he's something that the Packers should worry about you know it's not like he's Dalvin Cook or Derrick Henry out there but uh, he is a, a an above average back for sure um, and he was he's a rookie he was pick, picked a few picks before AJ Dillon was so he was in that kind of run of second round running backs and he's had he's had a pretty good season he looks great um, on in highlights but he does get stuffed a lot so that's his uh, that's his bugaboo right now he's he's a bit of a boom and bust guy all right. Yeah. By, by the way, the uh, Cardinals playoff game uh, was it playoffs? Shortly after New Year's, playoffs, playoffs, right? Yes. Um. He, well. Uh, anyway, against the Cardinals, he was uh, twenty-one for thirty-four. Yeah, bad game, and it was not a playoff game. Cardinals no, it wasn't playoffs. Cardinals. I, I I forget that the season moved. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it has screwed with me. It, it it did not affect me until playoffs and then suddenly it's like oh god why because okay jr you're you're following the 2010 packers i am indeed where are the 2010 packers right now um in 2010 what yes. do you mean like like, what, like today today what what round are they in, 11 11 the years ago what's happening uh well we're in between you know same place we are now in between well except the packers actually are coming off of a win against philadelphia heading into atlanta at this point Good times. Oh, by the way, I have to quickly correct the stat because I actually undersold how amazing it was. 
Against deep right passes, the Rams have a negative 97.9% DVOA on the season. And the next best DVOA against deep right passes is Seattle, which is negative (laughs) 2.9%. So um, they're very, very good at defending deep right passes. Why isn't Jalen Ramsey a defensive player of your campaign? (laughs) No kidding. (laughs) That's incredible. (laughs) Because not everyone is... Uh, what's his face from PFF that thinks that corner should be defensive player of the year? Yeah, Eric yes. Eager, yes. Eric Eager. It's, yes. his, it's his thing. Um, yes. They're only 14th in defending short passes, and they're um, only 21st at any pass over the middle. So that is that is the weak underbelly of their defense. That's, but, okay. back, but back to their dog shit offense. Um, <laughs> they, uh, <laughs> they're bad. They're bad. So as long this is... Uh, as long as Mike Patton doesn't do something completely ridiculous, this is a, a game that they should dominate, completely shut them down. Just no stupidity. They have much better players, um, and there's no excuse for them putting up any kind of points. This should be totally fine. And JR's right. Their their special teams is also as bad as the Packers special teams. So, yes. Um, that's blocking. That's, do, that's doing all the little stuff. They do have Johnny Hacker, who is like the best punter of all time. But uh, they've gone through three field goal kickers. They currently have Matt Gay, who is at least halfway decent, but not great, um, especially on kickoff depth. And they don't, they can't block, or um, they're bad at discipline, all that stuff. Fumble the ball a lot. So uh, equal chance that their special teams cost them the game, as ours cost yeah, them. Yeah, I think kickoff depth is a misnomer against the Packers. It is. Teams, team, teams don't kick touchbacks against the Packers. And that might hurt purpose. them, because I don't think Matt Gay can. So. Um, <laughs> I was going through uh, trying to figure out a list of the 10 best plays from the regular season, something that I'm posting later at jsonline.com. And I was like looking at highlight packages from all the games this season, just running through things that I might've missed. And I, I forgot Darius Shepard was on this team. Oh, like, yeah. oh my gosh. He sure was. Uh, like legitimately, like he was, he was on this team six weeks ago, you know, like it just mm-hmm. doesn't, it's wow. That was a, that was a moment in time. Wow. Truly amazing. Uh <laughs> The Darius Shepard era, and they still are this good. Very incredible. Yeah. Hey, let's do questions. Let's. Patreon questions first, of course. Matthew Van Hoovelin asks, uh, on the last show, discussed punt returns. I've long thought the risk of doing anything other than fair catching a punt are too great to justify whatever few yards are gained on the return. Rarely are punts returned for touchdowns, and there are often penalties that end up costing a team yards. Especially for the Packers who have a great offense, I would prefer a simple fair catch every time. I don't know if I've gotten this. I don't know if I've heard the suggestion before, which makes me think it's probably crazy. Is it? I mean, I think anecdotally that makes it like it's so difficult to catch a ball that is kicked into space, especially if it's a roof stadium or there's lights. I mean, and then there's dudes running at you that are massive. Like (laughs) how that is a difficult task. I think we take for granted how easy they make it look. Uh, that you know, maybe, maybe, maybe it isn't worth the few yards, as he said, which I think sure. Is- but also, blocking Aaron Donald is a very difficult thing to do. Oh, yeah, and yeah. running a route against Jalen Ramsey is a difficult thing to do. <laughs> uh, sure, yeah. but he's saying the return, the odds of you using your special teams into a major offensive gain are 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 limited. They're, so, they're, it's pretty remote. I, I don't have the stats on this, but I would argue that the Packers are one of the uh, most prolific uh, fair catchers inside the ten. Oh, are they ever? Yeah, that's weird. Uh, so I don't have exact numbers, but I, I feel like they fair catch inside the 10 more than anyone else. So I think that they're already doing that. I think they're already coached to fair catch more often than... Yeah, because like I mean, my comment was going to be, Matthew, were you in the Packer front office last year when they fair, cut, 
when they did this for half a season and then they got Tyler Irvin. Uh, that's the thing. We have a natural experiment to actually test this, which is last season their special team's punt return cost them a lot when they didn't return any punts until Tyler Irvin showed up. And when he showed up, it actually helped quite a bit. It added a lot of value. So um, statistically, you can't even say that they like doubled their return yards because they went from negative return yards <laughs> to 40 right. in a game. So uh, it's I know that when people screw up punt returns, it's it it looks bad. You know, muff punts and fumbles are super ugly. And it's a good point on the penalties. Like the big thing with that happens on kickoffs a ton. It happens on punts less so. Um, and a lot of reasons for that. Um, it, it's a it's a harder thing to cover punts with the ball up in the air like that and uh, maintaining discipline if you get out kicked or anything like that. So, but uh, punt returns can actually be pretty valuable. They don't get housed that much. But if you pick up even 15 yards, you've removed a first down that you have to gain. And that's worth something. That's basically, now every time you have to pick up a first down, it's like uh, like a 33% chance that your drive's going to end. That's kind of the the quick quick and dirty way of looking at adding an extra 10 to 15 yards to the length of your drive. So, you know, every time you, you pick up that 10 to 15 yards, you increase the chances of your scoring pretty drastically. Um, it, it's... It really, it's it's a hidden thing. It's small, but it's worth it most of the time. And there's a smart way to do it too. It's it's not like this is binary, like fair catch or return. Um, you want a guy back there who is smart enough to make the read on where the coverage is and how much guys are bearing down on him, and can can take safe yards when they're there. Um, you know, often you'll have a little bit of a cushion, or you'll have like a big gap that you spot. You don't want a guy just fair catching if he sees that stuff. You just don't want a moron there who tries to return it when, you know, there's a guy sitting two feet in front of him ready to kill him. Like, that's what you don't want. Um, and making those decisions is the hard part. It is a skill, and that's what makes a good punt returner versus a bad one fundamentally is the guy's read of the coverage before the ball gets to him. All right. PJ Wessels asks, which of the two L.A. quarterbacks would you prefer to face, and are their cream jerseys as bad as the Brewers' ones are good? I believe that they're called bone-colored. I think that's the official color scheme of the Rams, bone-colored jerseys. I believe that's correct. I can't, I can't believe you can say the Rams. The, those are the Deacon Jones jerseys. How can you not love them? Everything Deacon Jones is illegal now. <laughs> God, that's such a good way to put it. Yep. Including his jersey. Including his jersey. It's illegal now. So, uh, I, and I do think the Brewers cream jerseys are just magnifique. I love fire. them. They're so good. Fantastic. Yeah. So the the answer to that question is yes. Um, the uh, the Rams cream jerseys are as bad as the Brewers are good. The Brewers are excellent. Um, let's let's do all three QBs. Uh, do you guys do you have, do you have a preference? <laughs> well, okay. So would you like to have the guy who's probably going to die? Would you like to have the have the bad QB with a bad hand? Or the bad QB who's healthy. I still think Blake Bortles is the answer. <laughs> I, I would rather go against Goff than Blake Bortles. Um, it really does depend on how hurt they are, but I would rather go against Bortles than Goff. Uh, I, if Goff's healthy enough to play, I want Bortles. Um, Goff is just much much better. Um, actually, if, if Wolford was healthy, he might actually scare me a little bit more than both of them because yeah. he is at least mobile, and uh, I don't. He might be a good passer. It's hard to tell. Um, but uh, mobile guys are, can at least do something. They have that floor of, you know, easy first downs and things like that. But uh, What's his face that played for Washington? Um, uh, Tyler Wisniewski. Tyler whatever. Yeah. 
Heineken. Heineken. Tell her Heineken. Heineken. He was amazing. What an so, impressive performance that yeah. was from Heineken. Watching watching Heineken play, he reminded me of like what we all wanted Joe Callahan to be. <laughs> like fair. he he bailed on clean pockets, but he did it correctly. Which if you can correctly bail on a clean pocket, but like yeah. Like I, I was like, that's that's what Joey Donut thinks he is. Yep, <laughs> that, he, is, that guy was lightning down the field. Heineke, wow, he was, could he move? He did a good job scrambling. So but and, that's the and, fear on Wolford because that is yeah, Wolford is a, an athletic player. He is fast, and you know they they called a bunch of designed runs with him before he got annihilated by Jamal Adams, which is the risk with those guys. He's also the tiniest quarterback in the league by, <laughs> by a substantial amount. Um, is he? He's very very small. Don't don't even look up his. Uh, his official measurements were like five ten and a half, and like he, I think two ten is his official weight, but he's like one ninety, one eighty. He's so at the combine, he <laughs> he's listed as as uh, five eleven and a half, according to the combine. I thought he was five ten and a half at the combine. All right, whatever. Just look, just look at a picture of him standing next to a real football player sometime. <laughs> well, I mean, in the same way that Doug Flutie was five ten. Yeah. And there's no way that dude is an inch over five seven. No, no, he's not. He's he is very small. <laughs> All right, let's t- let's do a couple more questions. We got right. some good right, Twitter right, ones. Twitter by the way, but in terms of percentile, yeah. John Walford, by his listed height, is in the two point fifth percentile. <laughs> he's <laughs> very small. Bottom, very bottom two percent for QB height. Yeah. Uh, Twitter questions. Quentin Quentin Wetzel asks, how much is the difference between the Packers defense, the Rams defense? How much of the difference between them is talent and how much is coaching? Another way to put it, how good would each defense be if they traded coordinators? I love this question. I think there's a good case to be made. The Packers are more talented on defense than the Rams are, but the Rams are clearly much better. Um, the the Rams are more top-heavy than the Packers. They are. Darren Donald is, is the best player on <laughs> But uh, I, I'm not – I don't – that's the top. Uh, I'm not sure anybody else is better one to one. I think Jair Alexander's about as good as Jalen Ramsey. Yeah, see, I think you can make a case either way for the corners. Yeah. Yeah. And I think Zedarius is at least as good as Leonard Floyd, and probably better. So I, I, I think that this is a coordinator matchup more than a talent matchup. By I, I like I'll, I kind of obviously that's the case. Wow, that's that's not that's impressive. I wouldn't have thought that's how you'd answer it. They're talented, They're, but the Packers are talented. Like th- This is Pettin's problem. He doesn't get as much out of his guys as he should. And I, I do think that they are actually really talented. And if you look at how they match up one-on-one versus their counterparts on the Rams, that's kind of what it looks like. <laughs> like Rashawn Gary would start on the Rams, absolutely. Uh, and Zedarius would start on the Rams, absolutely. Like Kenny wouldn't because the best player ever at his position is there but that's kind of it (laughs) yeah but i think in a situation where you have both kenny clark and aaron donald you find a way to have them both on the field at the same time you do obviously yeah i'm i'm really encouraged overall how the defense i said this on the last episode but the way that they were able to go through that last third of the schedule against the running backs they faced and the running rushing offenses they faced they really seem to patch up that one major hole on their defense and I just think the the defense seems to be this does remind me of 2010 to to constantly bring up my my Bill Simmons Celtics thing, bring up the 2010 (laughs) Packers. It does remind me of that because that defense had a lot of holes and we're missing a lot of people. This one, not, not that way, but they seemed, this one is more talented than that defense, but they were, they were clicking at the end of the season. They, they were hitting their stride and that defense in 2010 did end up being one of the best in football overall, but, but down the stretch, like everybody, 
you know, they had, they had injuries, but not late in the season. Everybody was kind of there at the end. So that, uh, that, that seems to be kind of what we're dealing with here. How many, how many starters were on IR in 2010 by the time they got to the Super Bowl? I mean, uh, starter, it's like seven. I, I mean, it's I thought it was know. double like, digits. Like, I well, it, was like it might have been. You're talking about both sides of the ball. So both sides, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it probably was. It, it sometimes the the definition of starter is is a little fuzzy. It's kind of hard to really describe exactly if they are a starter or not. Uh, but I mean, certainly like Ryan Grant was the first one they lost. That's an offensive guy. But but Morgan Burnett, Frank Zombo was hurt for a bunch of the year. Um, who uh, who's the other major major player in the secondary? Because Charlie Pepper had to be brought oh, into geez. the. Uh, I mean, Brad Jones, Mike Neal, a lot of guys that didn't didn't end up amount to anything, but we but at the time Packers thought were going to be big time contributors. They weren't there. Jim Michael Finley was out for the year. Um, you know, they did lose they did lose Aaron Rodgers for two games. That obviously didn't matter overall. But uh, Colin Jenkins was fighting injuries all year. He didn't play late in the season. Ryan Pickett was in and out of the lineup at times. So I just pulled up their AGL from 2010, which Football Outsiders yeah. helpfully put together, and they were the third. Um, third most injury plague team in the league that year the only teams that had more injuries were the colts and the browns uh, the packers lost 86.3 starter games to injury in 2010 dang that is significant uh and yet they did have one of the best defenses in football mm-hmm. that is uh, that is crazy anyway moving yeah, on all, all you all i can think about since you mentioned frank zombo is zombo com <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what that is yeah. you've never been to zombo.com no should go i to- go Everyone go to Zombo.com. It's I'm, actually, the website is going to die at the end of this year. So you, so you have to So it's a flash go. website, is it? It is a flash website from 1999. And it's just a guy going, welcome to Zombo.com. You can do anything on Zombo.com. Oh, I'm glad I didn't click on it then. Uh, C. Huber asks, should facing a team with an elite defense but a poor offense influence Green Bay's fourth down aggressiveness? Will it? This is a good question. And... Um, the answer in the aggregate is kind of no. Um, the reason for that is against elite defenses, you really have to take advantage of your opportunities to score points. And so you should be very aggressive against them on fourth down, even though converting can be harder. Um, conversely, if you, place, if you face a team with a, a, bad, um, a bad defense, you should still go for it because it makes it easier to get it on fourth down. Now, the fact that it's poor offense, eh, maybe plays into it a little bit because you can play the punt game a little bit with that and, and it's less... Less dangerous, but really, you want to bury teams like this. Um, and you know, once if you get those points against a poor offense, it puts a lot of pressure on them to come back. Especially this one that really is going to rely on running the, the ball a lot. The, the more you can get ahead of the Rams, the more you can really make their offense hurt. Um, if they have to pass, that's just a bad spot for them to be in. They really want to get ahead and grind it out. And if they're not doing that, they're going to lose. So um, I'm, I'd say it's pro for different reasons. But uh, it's still pro in both instances going for it on fourth down. All right. All right. Oh, by the way, um, fun stat from Archon 14, Acme Packing Company writer. Uh, In 2018, the Rams offense was averaging 0.33 EPA per drop back. And then after Cooper Cup uh, tore his ACL, they were 0.019 EPA per drop back. So basically, like I said before, from above average to dog shit. Uh, Neil Olson. Neil Olson asks, is there concern the Rams matchup will be slowed down, grinded out game, and the Packers will fall into the trap of too many rush attempts? Yeah, that's one of my biggest concerns about this game. Um, Running up the middle on the Rams is just death. They're fourth against the run. They don't get gashed on the ground, just kind of as a rule. 
And Matt come Matt LaFleur gets into that a little bit more frequently than I would like. I obviously don't like running more than everybody in the world, but uh, their, their running has trended up quite a bit as the season has gone on, and often it has been pointless and gotten them into bad situations. Um, especially if the weather is bad. It's looking okay right now, but uh, it, it's a worry. It, it's it, I'd say a weakness of his, and it could get them in trouble if they run too much, for sure. David uh, asks, Mike Pettin and Sean Manega are going to lose us this game, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe. Yep. I mean, uh, th- we can always do the if they lose scenario. If they lose... That's where the blame's gonna lie. If if they lose, they gave up a lot of points, and there was some massive gaff on special teams. Yep. So yes, um, that is correct. So our yeah. answer is yes. <laughs> Jeremy Penn, what what are the odds MBS has a crushing drop that cost them on Saturday? We kind of discussed that. <laughs> Not good because he probably isn't gonna get the ball. I think that's right. Um, I don't think he'll have many opportunities to drop passes, and. Um, I, I will predict he gets zero, but even if he gets passes, you know, he doesn't drop every pass. There's, uh, so I predict he get like zero or one passes, and there's a 50-50 chance he drops the one. So, um, you know, like 25% chance. So not too bad. I, I have faith in MVS. He might he might pull it off. I do kind of like JR's <laughs> idea of just running him deep once to go against the grain completely. I'm, I'm for <laughs> that happening. That'd be amazing. Uh, oh, man, if that's one of the first plays of the game, I'm going to – I'm gonna lose my mind. No, I'm first, gonna I'm gonna conduct a special pod just to bring that up. First play <laughs> of the game is gonna be an off tackle run for nine yards, and then on second and one, they're gonna do a play action deep pass to the right to MBS. That's fine too. I'll take that's that. That's got too. it all scripted out. Yep. You but you know what would uh, be amazing if that actually happens, and then we're gonna play this clip on Twitter over and over and over again. <laughs> Like God, this guy's a genius. Yeah, people love listening to audio on Twitter. <laughs> You're not recording the video, Paul. <laughs> I'm not. That's it's so lost to the. Jonathan Deal, we're in a. We're already into the Discord. And also, by the way, Discord. speaking of Discord, right. Dis- Discord has been requesting a video version of this podcast sometime. Not right so, now. So, your RAE homework: if you want a video version of this oh, podcast, make sure you at Paul on Twitter. <laughs> Hashtag it would be so boring. Would. Show us the video with microphones in front of our faces talking about the Packers. Like I don't know what that gets anybody. Yeah, I don't, okay. I don't. How is it any different than listening? <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I, that's what I'm saying. Like, just listen to it. There's, there's no excitement here. We're not pretty faces. Nope, sure not. Speak for yourself, Brozer. <laughs> I mean, you are unquestionably the prettiest of the three faces. If you need me to say that, Matub, I will give you that. But. It's still it still ain't worth a you know extra video file. No, it's not. Maybe we can just record you. Uh, <laughs> we'll not record JR and that. me. Hottest take of the week, isn't that? Is that not what Matub was doing? He was recording Basically, himself. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I just meant during the podcast. So we would we would record just <laughs> just Matt sitting there. You know, you wouldn't even hear our audio. You just hear you just see him sitting there for like ten minutes at a time and yep. then responding. Especially at the beginning of the podcast, he would go. He would say nothing for the first twenty five minutes, and then he would say, "Hi, my name's Matt, but you can call me Matub." <laughs> <laughs> I kind of like this idea more and more, and I'm thinking of making it a Patreon bonus the the Matt video only <laughs> podcast version if we get a certain amount. Uh, we'll see. Okay. Uh, Jonathan Deal on Discord asks, is there a difference between the power downhill running scheme the Vikings use with Dalvin Cook and the Titans use with Derrick Henry versus the stretch running scheme McVay and Shanahan use and how the Packers defended over the past two years? Um, that's a good question, and I feel bad answering it because I'll be wrong. But uh, 
I, I do feel like they are a little bit better at at north and south um, and a little bit worse at deception, but I'm not really sure if they really are um, any different at that. Um, I, I don't, Matt, do you have any insight? I really don't. I'm not good at uh, these. If you run outside, run at Preston Smith. <laughs> that is a good call. And McVeigh is smart enough to know that. Yeah. I mean, that is where their weakness lies. And uh, it, you also you take out some other good stuff if you do that, too. Um, you get Kenny out of out of the, the play. That's, you know, the Packers' probably best run defender. Um, and one of the reasons it snacks, too, now. So, um, Although he hasn't played yet. But, uh, I, I, you know, they're so bad against the run, usually. What do you mean snacks hasn't played? He played, like, He played 10. 12 snaps. I was going to say it was, like, 10. He played 12. Um, He's also not in on fourth and one. Yeah, this this is something I should pay attention to now. I didn't before because they used to be bad against all running games, and now they're they're not. And there's definitely some nuance as to what works against them and what doesn't. But I don't really know what it is. So, <laughs> yeah, research project for the off season. All right, come t- come listening to reporting is eligible where the host goes. I don't know. <laughs> well, uh, we've said before. One thing I, I don't know um, is line play very well. Um, I defer to others on that, offensive and defensive, and I don't know, not my wheelhouse. I do stuff where there's counting stats and where it's easy to pick up individual matchups on tape when when parts have to work together. Not not my not my wheelhouse. I'll be wrong about those. Everybody's got their weaknesses. So, mm-hmm. uh, last question. Sled Chelly asks: Should the Packers start Velt here at left tackle? We we talked about that. Yeah. We think. They might, but should they start him at left tackle? And I think, yeah, I agree with you there. I, I would start him at left tackle. I think he gives him the best personnel groupings on the rest, but uh, it, it does knock a few people out of whack. I, I like Jared Valdir. He's such a monster. Um, it, it's uh, it's just fun to see him out there. But uh, I, I would like having a Valdir, Wagner, Turner, Jenkins, Lindsley line of some combination. That's um, awkward, but... Uh, Valdir, heads up, Valdir played left tackle for the Raiders. Did he? Okay. Yeah. So that so he does he so he has some left tackle experience. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, I, I like that combination of guys best. Um, that and uh, it, making it happen may be a little trickier than just that, but um, it, I I would start him. I I think he's really good at that, even at this stage in his career. I will say this. I think I underestimated how great Corey Lindsley was. Maybe right up until he was named first team All Pro. That's not something I would have I would have guessed. I, I obviously know he's good, but you know I think you know he's a center and he's got great other great guys with Elton Jenkins and David Bakhtiari on the line. But that's that's a pretty good accomplishment. You know, first team All Pro is nothing to sneeze at, that, uh, and that's pretty impressive. I, I think it's his last year with Green Bay, but that's uh, that's pretty good stuff. He's he's also the Packers uh, candidate for Walter Payton Man of the Year. Yeah, that's awesome. Also awesome. Yeah, so uh, first team All Pro. Could win Walter Payton Man of the Year will likely not be a Packer next year. Yep. Alas. <laughs> Alas. Life goes on. I mean, he's one of my favorite Packers. His wife follows me on Twitter. I will be sad to see him go. <laughs> Those two sentences, by the way, are absolutely connected. He's one of my favorite Packers. My wife follows me on Twitter. His wife follows me on Twitter. There um, you go. There Anna you go. Anna Lindsley and I share parenting advice as we have children roughly the same age. Huh. Very nice. <laughs> good yes. to know all right um i am glad we mentioned dominic dominic daphne on the podcast this week after neglecting to say his name last week following yeah. his touchdown feel bad about terrible that oversight oversight by us 
but uh, I'm glad we I'm glad think, we atoned for that. I think a name that needs to be said on this podcast is Nasimba Webster. And Sorry, what now? Why is that? Uh, Nasimba Webster is the uh, punt returner for the Rams. Okay. Um, and he is, if you look at uh, punt return average versus total returns, um, he's top five in total returns, and he averages seven yards per return. Um, but his longest is 34. So it's something okay. to look out for. If we're going to talk about special teams, they have their own Tyler Irvin, like someone who can cover problems. Okay. Good to know. So Nisimbo Webster. He's tiny, by the way. He's also another tiny person. All right. So before we go, um, I do think they'll win. Do you guys have any different prognostications? Uh, I like I like Odd Shark's uh, suggestion. Um, Odd Shark has final score as Rams 13, Packers 30. Wow. That's a lot of points for against the Rams. So yeah. it's bold. Um, so the, the Packers are favored minus six and a half currently um, with the over-under at 45. So Odd Shark says that the Packers will win, cover, and, go and it will go under. Under. That's under? Okay. Yep. So under by two points. Oh, 13. Okay. I had 17 in my head. All right. So yeah, thirteen to thirty would be great. I personally think it's going to be twenty-four to thirteen. Yeah, I think it'll be more nail bitey than any of those, but I do think they pull it out in the end. I'm going to make an emotional hedge, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say that the Rams pull this off. That they surprise some people. That, that defense is ultra, ultra scary to me. And uh, I'm going to. I just have that 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 voice of yours, Paul resonating from early on in the season. Like this is not a matchup the Packers would want. Yep. This would be bad. And I know that it's maybe not as bad now as it was then, but, uh, but that's sticking with me. Now I recognize the Packers for, for as much as I like to foresee doom and gloom, they do not often lose games in the playoffs. They're supposed to win. Maybe you even have to go back to the 2007 NFC championship game. I mean, obviously they should have won the Seattle game, but yeah, like the Seattle they, weren't, game. <laughs> they weren't, they weren't, favored to yeah. win that game so i i don't know if there are many games that you could say 2011 giants oh yeah, yeah okay. <laughs> jesus christ you guys. well a little bit favored to win that game let me just erase 2011 from my head yeah. is that fine that's is that fine. fine with everyone uh nope that's totally fair so yeah it but that does not happen often they typically do take care of business True. so uh also, and- by the way by the way 2011 giants game is the red hot packers offense going against a juggernaut defense in a very very cold game yeah yeah no and let me ask you about After that I, mean, I, would, I would have rather played the seahawks this week but this is what we got so i remember the whole season of 2011 everybody freaking out that the defense wasn't good enough that it wasn't playoff caliber it doesn't matter how many wins the packers have they don't have the defense i don't know if i just remember it that way because they lost so that bookend created sort of that retroactive sort of the, that was the resonant narrative but but that was the case right over it, the course so of the season that was definitely the case yeah and 2011 was before people started listening to dorks on the internet yeah and in 2011 the chiefs beat the packers in the way that showed everyone else how to beat the packers and the dorks on the internet in the background were going guys this is a problem and no one listened to them yep and, and this year this year the packers defense is better <laughs> and 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 they they hired a dork. There's an official dork on the team. Yeah. So and that that narrative was pretty common back then. The the greatest show on turf had actually collapsed in a very similar fashion to what the Packers did. They actually when 
They won the Super Bowl against the Titans, had one of the best defenses in the league. I actually think they were number one, and their defense crashed the following year. They were like 32nd. They still had the super good offense, and they got blown out, but not blown out. They lost to the Patriots on Tom Brady's rookie year um, in in the playoffs in that huge upset, and kind of the same thing. that The the defense cost them, and they, got, they ran into a good defense that slowed them down. Hopefully that doesn't happen here. Packer defense, though, not that bad. Pretty good. Not the same thing. I am now emboldened in my prediction and recalling a time when Eli Manning of all creatures defeated the Packers, the 15 and one Packers at home uh, on a cold day. I am going to pick the Rams, but it is a pure emotional hedge. <laughs> emotional hedge is the name of my new, new wave. Band. <laughs> <laughs> I am the bassist in this band. <laughs> all right. Uh, so before, before we go, any, any plugs, JR, anything good? I mean, we're just Packers content all week at jsonline.com. I, I did put together like a kind of alluded to the 10 best plays of the year. That should be posting sometime soon if it isn't up already. Uh, I did take a look back at 2010, because I always do, uh, at the Falcons game, which uh, which will also post sometime Wednesday. I looked at the free agent signings, uh, Eric Walden, Howard Green, the street free agents, the waiver claims that contributed to the 2010 run. Uh in light of them getting, uh, you know, Valdir and uh, Snacks Harrison as well, uh, most more recently. So, so that's something I put up there. I, my my thirty best single game Packers playoff performances posted. Uh, speaking of that Atlanta game, somebody who played in that Atlanta game, I won't tell you who is number one on that list, uh, but uh, have had a lot of fun putting that together. Paul helped me out with that. Paul gave me a ton of information to help me out with that. Got me jump started in a big way. I kept bouncing. Used you guys as a soundboard a little bit. I don't know if you guys gave me any suggestions or that i took i just was like you know what now that i've said it out loud i hate this list uh let me re- let me redo this and this and this uh just, just gave me something to do but uh or something something to you know a sounding board um so that's that's all that i mean the, the bucks podcast comes out every week me and jim ozarski i think we've got some new bed music and a new new podcast title uh which uh, which i Ooh. am not yet prepared to release to the world okay I that'll that will that will arrive with the podcast itself i like a good podcast title so i'm looking forward to finding out what it yep. is uh, yes, very buck specific, very OG bucks, I think, uh, which I appreciate. Uh, and that's it. That's all I got. Lots all right. going on. Lots things, going on. Things nice. Paul loves. Crapping on the bears. Yep. Closers aren't real. Yep. Podcast titles. I do. <laughs> all it's fantastic. a good holy trinity all right great there. Things. <laughs> Badger right. Noonan brand. <laughs> Matt, anything good? Uh, I sit here as your 2020 Acme Packing Company fantasy football champion. Uh, I see you wearing your stupid <laughs> ring right now. <laughs> that's what that ring is for yes, this whole is. time i've been looking at that ring this is why we need a video feed purely from a tub to <laughs> flaunt whatever that is well, gentlemen there's a present waiting for you on twitter should you ever open it in another monitor i really don't want to no. <laughs> uh, but if uh i just would like everyone to know stefan diggs single-handedly won me my fantasy championship and i picked him in a mid-round this year so if you need drafting advice dm me <laughs> I am officially the best drafter in fantasy football. Okay, well done. Congratulations. I picked five of the six outcomes correctly in my league, my Pick'em League, except for the one game that went wrong. I said uh, Pittsburgh over Cleveland, obviously. I actually oh. email, oh. and then I proceeded to pick the other five games correctly. But but I got I got to ask, what was your reasoning to make it obvious? I wrote that at the moment I was hearing the announcement that Kevin Stefanski and their starting guard and, and they were going to be without all these people. 
Uh, so I was like, well, they weren't going to be Pittsburgh anyway, but now they're really not going to be Pittsburgh. So I was feeling, I was feeling in the moment, like it was pretty much a done deal. That was the, one, I got that game wrong too. I did pick Pittsburgh, but it was the game I felt the least confident in just because Pittsburgh's offense was so awful, uh, especially down the stretch. And Cleveland's has been really, really good. Um, I, I think they're third in weighted DVOA offensively to the Chiefs and Packers. So that offense is doing, doing some work right now. I got five words for you, gentlemen, head coach. Alex Van Pelt. Alex called a good game. He did that very is, well. That is my prediction, my offseason prediction. There is going to be a head coach offer for Alex Van Pelt. Certainly what he put together, although there were some crazy fluky defensive plays that helped, yep. but hard to argue with what the Browns put together. Threw up a 40 spot on what was thought to be a pretty good team. That's nice. But my, my overarching point being Colin Coward said that the Browns were going to lose because Baker Mayfield wore his hat backwards. Uh, yeah, that was a guarantee that they were going to win. Good point. Incredible troll job by Baker Mayfield with yes. the uh, with the backwards hat. Then in the post game, intentionally pointing it out. Love it. <laughs> the Maserati thing that Colin Cowherd. Oh yeah. That he Colin Cowherd said when he wants to build a, a winning team, he wants a, a Maserati, not a Mazda. When talking about Baker Mayfield, implying of course that Baker is the Mazda. So used Maserati in his cadence on the play that clinched the regular season finale, so yep. that the Browns could clinch a spot in the playoffs. He did do that. It was that great. is such elite trolling. I mean, you just have to sit back and marvel at that. The guy. Baker Mayfield knows knows how to do this stuff. Like he is he is definitely of the internet culture. Absolutely. A modern also, quarterback in the true sense. Maseratis are dumb. They're expensive. They are uncomfortable. They break down religiously. The the Maserati four door is the quattroporte, which is literally the word for four, four doors. doors. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe you do want a Mazda running your offense. Is what I, you're I would take a I would take a Mazda for it's utilitarian, folks. Absolutely. You and it doesn't count. cost that much. You can Remember, count on guys, a Mazda. There's, a, there's an acronym in the motorsport world, and it's Miata. And the acronym is Miata is always the answer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So uh, a Maserati is the quarterback that you're paying too much to not do enough. Yeah, exactly. Ma- Maserati is uh, Mitch Trubisky. after one good season. Mitch Trubisky is a Maserati. Yeah. <laughs> it costs a lot. You show it off to your friends for a little while. Then you realize it's impractical. Try and get rid of it, but you can't because nobody wants it. <laughs> Um, and then you're just left to just discard it and start over from scratch with less capital than you had before. Paul, I smell a really good Elseworld off-season article brewing <laughs> in your head. And speaking of Elseworld articles... Uh, I, I wrote an indescribable article for Acme Packing Company that is a horror sci-fi preview of a bunch of NFC um, playoff teams, players, um, and I don't even know how to tell you to go read it. But it's... It's the SCP Foundation. It's a long-standing internet uh, collaborative fiction effort, I guess you would call it. <laughs> um, Paul did a phenomenal job. It's it is. I'm telling you, if you are unfamiliar with SCP Foundation, to Google it, it is worth learning about just to understand Paul's article. If you don't want to do that, you can read it anyway. You'll figure out the gist pretty quick. JR didn't. JR didn't <laughs> care for it. Hell no. Because um. <laughs> well, JR I mean, hates I won't fun. Say it. I didn't. I I enjoyed it. I just like I ain't gonna put a lot of work into this. Like I'll read I'll read a few graphs and we'll see how I feel about it. But no, it was a good time. It was a good time. Yeah. So just to tease a little bit more. So it, it posits that Alex Smith is somehow quantum bound up with Aaron Rodgers, and their careers are mirror images of each other. So that one one succeeds, the other one gets hurt, and vice versa. And I have stats to back that up. And as Mitch Trubisky being a being that uh, will destroy the earth if he ever can first master the art of throwing a forward pass, but is completely <laughs> incapable of it. 
and that the Bears' job is secretly to keep him practicing passing so that he doesn't get bored of it and conquer really the so wanna, things like that. So you do not want to keep describing it. It's just not the listeners are logging off one by one. Well, anybody who's made it, gotta let them read. Yeah, it. We're, we're anybody who's made 40. it, yeah, anybody yeah. who's made it this far into the podcast, I think, is gonna gonna respond to that. That's a really good point. Yeah. I'm really mad at the NFC East for not giving us the storylines that would have been just the most dramatic for content. The the fact that uh, we we knew we weren't going to get Washington with Alex Smith versus Aaron Rodgers. There was no chance when the Cowboys missed the playoffs. There was no going to be Mike McCarthy at Lambeau. I mean, Very these sad. are the things I live for. And now now we've got Matt Lafleur and Sean McVay. I guess that's something. Yeah, it well, is. Hey, there is one good thing to come out of this week. Uh, friend of show and super fan Jonathan Deal has the first official public reporting is eligible shirt oh hey oh, that's cool. awesome so there is now official reporting is eligible merch out in the wild jonathan bought the first shirt they're available at appletoncoffee.com they are comfy i quite enjoy my shirt i got one too they are in fact comfy good stuff <laughs> yes and right, let's look go great let's get out of here yeah let's get out of here all right guys uh we'll talk to you again next week hopefully we'll have another game to preview and uh, until then enjoy the nice saturday afternoon game a good man sailing and shoring you got a beta tron man talking that foreign ah oh, yeah